0: Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message. We hope that it's encouraging and helpful to you no matter where you are on your journey of faith. We at Hope Church want everyone to have a chance to experience the rich love of Jesus. We are inclusive and affirming towards everyone. And if you're looking for a place to experience a caring Christian community, we would love to have you visit. You can go to hopechurchrc.org to connect with us. Thanks again for listening. Anybody else like digging the the fall weather? Um, it's really it is as the young children say. They probably don't say it anymore, but it is my jam. Uh, I enjoy it a lot. No, you guys don't say that. Okay, loud. Well, I, I'm bringing it back. Okay, I'm bringing jam back. That's everybody's gonna be saying it again. Nothing you can do about it. Anyways, <laughs> what's making come back? It's a bop. Is it? See, this is Jen Alpha. They say it all the time. This is such a bop. All I, hear in, all I hear in my house is, bruh, and imagine, like, like, imagine that you do something silly. Like, it's, it's like a way of making fun of you. Like, imagine that you don't know our generation's slang, and we make fun of you for it. Like, it's that kind of thing. Um, I'm working on it. I'm going to figure you guys out. Oh, imagine going to bed without supper. <laughs> I'm going to start turning it back on them. Imagine cleaning your room. Anyways, um, we're going to be in uh, Philippians chapter 4 today, uh, kind of finishing out Philippians. We've been in there for a few weeks now, and we've been focusing a lot on, uh, Paul focuses a lot, the author focuses a lot on unity within the church. And, uh, and so we're going to kind of continue on that and kind of hopefully put a little bit of a, of a wrap up on, uh, what we've been talking about, uh, with a challenge to, uh, just keep doing the things that we've been taught, right? Um, how, how many of you have ever successfully, though, carried out a New Year's resolution? Like you said in December, I'm going to do X, Y, or Z and you are either still doing it or you carried it out to its completion. Anybody? No, I never have. I never have. Anybody else uh, willing to admit that they never have either? Yeah. Um, I, I've just stopped making them, honestly, <laughs> like I used to every year. All right, this is the year. And, and, and I remember even when I was uh, approaching within five years, you know, of, of being 40, I was like, okay, by the time I'm 40, I'm going to have this done three years after that deadline, nope, still not done. Amazing. Uh, the most consistent I ever have been uh, in regards to health was just after McKenzie was born. Uh, I committed to getting healthy. I found some friends to support me who, who were healthy and, and who knew a lot about getting in shape, and they, and they taught me a lot of things. I started eating well, and I lost a good bit of weight, and I kept it off for a while, but eventually, here we are today, Right? Uh, and, and that's not there's not a good excuse for it. Like I didn't have a devastating injury and I had to stop. Uh, I just kind of stopped over time. I got complacent and 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 my uh, my ADHD probably kicked in and, and I no longer had the, uh, the 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 desire to do those things as much. Right. And occasionally I would pick it back up and do OK from time to time. Uh, I've joined some uh, some some different gyms over time and, and I would go and, and it just it just never was good at keeping it up. Natalie, yes, you have something to add? Let's say it one more time. Okay, you just forgot about your, oh, it. Oh, yeah, I've done that before too. I've never, I never, didn't think about that. Natalie said, I just forgot about the resolutions. Like I was like gung-ho about doing something. And then one day I just was like, oh, yeah, I stopped doing that. Not because I forgot about it. I have done that, Natalie. Um. It's hard to become consistent at something, at anything. for a while, you have to be like very intentional about carving out time for it, especially if it's something new that you've never done before. you might have to make some investment in something. depending on what it is, uh, definitely a time investment, right uh, For me, the hardest part of, of, of like exercise and stuff was finding time for it in my routine because you get you get settled into a routine, and like we talked about. Last week, we mentioned, you know, adulthood is just kind of like saying, I have to just get through this week. I have to just get through this week over and over again <laughs> until you die. And so I had to find time for that in my thoughts of, I have to just get through this week, right? Uh, and, and multiple times a week, I had to find time for that. I've tried early mornings. I can't, I can't get up early enough. I get up okay early enough to go to work, but I cannot find time to get up early enough to do that. Um, it just hasn't. But with anything... Not just health and wellness, you have to be intentional about doing it if it's something that you want to become a habit or want to become a part of your life, right? Uh, and, and, and at some point, it gets to the point of you feel odd if you don't complete it. And hopefully, we can develop good habits like that. Oftentimes, those are bad habits that we develop that we feel off if we didn't complete them, um, and, you know, that's that's one of those things. Uh, you may have heard that it takes 21 days to make something into a habit. Anybody ever heard that? I remember the first time I ever like like really realized it or, or even had heard anything about it. Uh, I was in college, I think, and I asked for an electric razor for Christmas. OK, and the, and the, the, little, the little booklet specifically said you must shave every day with this for 21 days before you're like face becomes accustomed to it of course I only shave like once a week and so it wreaked havoc on my face every time I used it and so I just stopped using it right because I wasn't consistent with it Um, but it's not as cut and dry as that right there's there's things that say you know 21 days but it's not specifically 21 days right like we're not some kind of robot where if we complete something consistently for 21 days it's now added to our program and it's automatic you know even after those 21 days or, or, or some say even 28 days or however it is, um, we still have to be consistent about it and, and, and intentional about things from time to time. It's hard to do the same thing consistently week after week, year after year. Our lives change. We change. And there are times in our Christian walk, in our spiritual journey, where we feel very motivated. I remember, you know, uh, being in youth ministry for, you know, a dozen years or more, uh, you would go off to a retreat somewhere and you would come back. And even I felt this as an adult, Um, we would call it like the camp high, right? You would be like just buzzing. I must do all these things for Jesus. And it would last a week or two, three, if you were like really on top of it. And then I think over time it has a net positive effect. Right, because you know, if you think of it like a pendulum, right? The pendulum swings way far one way and you're like on it for Jesus and, and it's an amazing thing. But then eventually it swings back, but hopefully it doesn't swing back as far. Right. So over time it's a net positive. But in, in the short term, it can be frustrating sometimes because you look back after, you know, a month of not completing your quiet time like you had had committed to do, of not reading your Bible and you're like, What happened? Life happened. It's OK. You pick up, you try to do better. And in our passage today, Philippians four verses one through nine, we're reminded and encouraged to continue to seek unity in the church. It's something we have to be intentional about it. We have to develop it like a habit, like a healthy habit, um, because it's not something that comes naturally. My natural inclination is to want to sit on the couch. It is not to get up and go walking or or sweat intentionally or, you know, with no, like, you know, if I have, like, something to do outside and it's hot and I have to complete it and I feel good about completing it, like cutting the grass or whatever, and I'm sweating from that, that's one thing. But, like, if I have to do push-ups and sit-ups and jumping jacks, burpees, whatever, and I'm still sweating and I haven't really accomplished anything, that's frustrating. But anyways... Sometimes developing unity within the church, working for it feels like that. And so we're going to look at that today. Um, So let's read Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. So Paul is closing out his letter here to the church at Philippi. So then, my dearly loved and longed-for brothers and sisters, my joy and crown in this manner stand firm in the Lord, dear friends, I urge Yodia and I urge Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I also ask you, true partner, to help these women who have contended for the gospel at my side, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about, any, about, about anything But in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me. And the God of peace will be with you. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the the love and the the grace and the mercy that it contains that we we get to know about. Help us as we examine it to absorb what you have to say to us this morning so that we can be more unified as a group of believers and within the church as a whole. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the background of this church, of this letter we've talked about over the past few weeks, is it was a letter to a church, a specific church, to encourage unity among them. And as the letters come to, uh, well, sorry, and and he encourages them in the passage we talked about last week, take hold of Christ, right? He is the example of love and grace and mercy, which is all a big part of unity, right? And as the letter comes to a close, there is a final plea for two believers to resolve their differences. Now, we don't know the background, but it seems pretty serious if he mentioned it here because this letter would have been read to the group of believers as a whole. And so this was essentially like Paul calling them out in front of everybody in a way, urging them to be reconciled with one another. Because he says these women have worked hard to tell others about the love of Jesus and they found themselves at odds over something. And that happens. That happens. A lot more than we want to think about. We have different ideas about how things should be done or why some things should be done. Uh, and and we, become, we come at odds sometimes with others in the church who may not share the same vision or may not see it in the same way that we do. The urgency of it maybe. And we may become so invested in an idea that we get agitated and, and, and upset if we feel like it's being threatened. And any kind of questioning of it can feel like a threat sometimes. I've been there. I'm speaking from my own experience. Like maybe, you know, you, you're you developing or working on a class or an outreach event like in a church. And it's something that, that, I, that we've worked hard at getting right. And, and we have all of the plans in place and we have all the details in place and we feel really good about it and somebody wants to change something about it at the last minute. That's frustrating, and it can lead to disunity. But in all times of conflict with all people, especially those of us who are brothers and sisters in Christ, we should be seeking to resolve our differences as much as we can. That doesn't mean we have to give up our ideals or our beliefs about things sometimes, but we should be able to work with one another and find common ground. Being willing to let go of some things that maybe aren't as important in order so that we can live and work together in peace. And that's what Paul was urging these people to do. And sometimes it's not easy, but it's always worth, um, worth working towards. There's a saying, I can't remember where I've heard it, I've heard it a few times though, the, sque- the, the juice is worth the squeeze. Have you ever heard that? Okay. I'm glad somebody else had and I didn't just like imagine it. So sometimes the reward is is worth whatever effort you have to put into it, right? Because, you know, there are many churches that have specific doctrines and traditions that they hold to, and that's fine. If you want to believe, you know, in 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 uh um in, in Calvinism or, or if you are more of a, a Lutheran or a Presbyterian or whatever it is and you have specific things and specific ideas about how we should worship or when or Southern Baptists have, you know, different ways of viewing things than, than, than non-Southern Baptists, um, it's okay. We should be able to have those ideals and those beliefs. Uh, but the problem is whenever somebody wants to do something different, they might bristle up. Um, because they feel like you're, you're, being, you're a threat to them or, or their beliefs are being threatened because somebody believes differently about baptism or about uh, you know, the process of becoming saved or, or any of those sorts of things. Like, for instance, there are not very many churches in our county that I'm aware of who are openly affirming and inclusive toward LGBTQ plus people. Now, needless to say, that's a hard line that many have drawn. And I remember the advice when I was talking to somebody about starting a church. They said, oh, in your bylaws, that needs to be like right up front. We believe in traditional biblical marriage. And I was like, I'm not 100% sure that I do. Even at the time, I was questioning. And so it was something I never pushed. And, and thankfully, we've all come to an agreement and come to a belief that, that we welcome and affirm uh, LGBTQ plus people. And, and we've received some pushback from that, understandably so. It's nothing been nothing crazy. Well, you know, it, it, it's understandable. Um, I get it because that's a hard line that many people have drawn. Because for some people, it's part of a it's it's a primary issue. We've talked about primary and secondary issues before. Primary things are those things that are are you can think of them as like written in blood. Jesus is the Messiah. His his uh, his death, burial, and resurrection provides salvation and forgiveness for us in a relationship with God that is. Loving and and wonderful. And then there are some things that are secondary issues. For me, this is one of them. For some people, it is not. And unfortunately, I feel like it's part of a kind of a trumped up culture war that makes some groups feel like inclusion and acceptance of some people for who they are is threatening to their way of life. Does that make sense? Like if you include and accept people who are LGBTQ+, you're threatening me. It's not just about I just, I don't agree that, you know, with your beliefs, it's about you're threatening me personally. Unfortunately, for some, not all, it's that way. And that's it's not even a threat. It's not even close. Unless your way of life is inherently bigoted and hateful, then, yeah, I guess it is a threat to you. And rightfully so, you shouldn't be bigoted and hateful. But then there are some people who I've talked to who have been willing to view inclusion as a secondary issue. And as long as we still believe in Jesus, it's okay. I'm thankful for them. We can, we can be unified together. And they may never reach the point where they are also including, uh, including and affirming, but we can still work together. It's pretty refreshing. It's the way it should be among us. We won't agree on everything, even here in our little group. Because we all have a variety of experiences, we all have a variety of education that we draw from to inform our decisions, and none of them are the same. There are things that influence us that we may not even be aware of. Maybe you're timid because of something that happened in third grade, but you don't even really know that that's why. Life is complicated, and we have to be willing to work together to make it through. But how do we do this? How do we be unified together when life is so hard and there are so many things that contribute to our decision-making, our genetics, our, our experiences, uh, the, the people around us, what we are, are worried about, they might think about us. How do we come together in times of uh, of disunity? Well, in chapter 2, Paul gave the ultimate ultimate example, Christ. He said, be like Christ. He, who, he was literally God, but he gave up the privilege of being above the fray of human experiences. He chose to come to earth. He chose to live as one of us, to know our hurts and our sorrows. Jesus wept and rejoiced. He got anger. He got angry and frustrated. He was cold and hungry. He was often homeless. He knows what it's like to suffer. And he gave up a position of privilege to be able to do that. And in the same way, We give up our our position of privilege or our privileged viewpoint about something. We should be willing to hold space for others and to listen to their lived experiences. Just because we've never seen uh, uh, racism happen with our own eyes doesn't mean that it doesn't happen, right? Just because we've never seen people hurt in in small ways or people you know be petty or hurled veiled insults at others doesn't mean that it didn't happen. We listen to people's lived experiences and we care for them, we love them because Jesus does. And if He does, we should too. And it's one of those ideas that's so simple. Just love people. But it's so difficult. Just love people. Even when they want chicken noodle soup at 6.30 in the morning, but they don't want to actually eat it because it has carrots in it. Even though there are carrots on the picture on the on the can. And 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 once you've gone through the process of making this chicken noodle soup at 6 30 in the morning as you're trying to get ready for work uh, and then they don't want it, you get upset. Because it was a weird weird request anyways, and you should have said no at the beginning because nobody eats chicken noodle soup for, for breakfast. But he thought, you know what, I'm going to be the cool dad. I want to do it. I want to do the right thing. I want to, you know, make my kid happy. Um, And then they still don't eat it and you get upset and you raise your voice and you lose your temper. You have to apologize later. Or something like that. Some other hypothetical, totally made up scenario that didn't actually happen Thursday morning. Um, (laughs) But even when it's hard, we seek unity. And sometimes we have to swallow our own pride and apologize and realize I was wrong. I'm sorry, I overreacted. But we seek unity, loving one another, bearing each other's burdens. And in verse 4, Paul gives us a a few commands or suggestions to help us stay unified. Verse 4, he says, Rejoice always. Rejoice. Be full of joy for the love of God that you have found. Rejoice for the blessings in your life, your friends, your family, your relationships. Even when it's raining... And you don't want to. It doesn't have to be loud or boisterous, but have joy. It's harder to be upset with someone if you're joyous. And then he gives us a call to be gentle. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. And this is tough for me. I'll be real honest. It's tough for me at times. I have a pretty long fuse, but when it reaches the end, it gets pretty bad. And I'm ashamed of that. Jesus helped me work on it. But if our love is to be rooted in Christ's and we're trying to imitate him, we should be gentle because he was gentle. He wasn't prone to outbursts or harsh words. Yes, he had a few times where he had some harsh words for folks, but they were well-deserved. They weren't just off the cuff, you hurt me so I'm going to hurt you back sort of things. We can let our displeasure about something be known without being angry. Chicken noodle soup isn't worth losing your temper over. And none of these things come naturally, rejoicing or being gentle. But there are two sources of power or inspiration that can help us with that. And in verse 5, we're reminded that the Lord is near. Now, the author could have two different meanings here, or at least we can look back and see two potential meanings. Uh, uh, It's pretty evident from his writings. He expected Jesus to return at any moment. And and that's not surprising because we too, if you've grown up in an evangelical church in the South, have probably been taught Jesus could come back at any moment. And the scriptures plainly say in many places, he could come back at any moment. Um, but Paul's view was that it was absolutely, definitely 1,000% going to happen. Like we, we understand it as sort of this, yes, it could. But it hasn't. And so it's just kind of one of those things that we're not as, I don't know, not as, not as excited about. And, and we probably should be more. But it's one of those things that like we know that it can happen, but we're not necessarily expecting it. Does that make sense? Paul expected it. He was very insistent on it. But the phrase also has the sense that Jesus is close to us spiritually. The Lord is near. Right? The Bible says the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. He is close to us. He is our ever-present help in times of trouble. His nearness can help us to rejoice in those hard times and to be gentle when our fuse is about to go off. And the other source that Paul mentions that can help us to be gentle and to rejoice is, uh, is the peace of God in verse 7. He says, may it guard your hearts and our minds. This peace that surpasses all understanding. How can you feel so calm when it feels like The world is falling apart. There's extreme, some extreme conflict in the Middle East over the past week. And it's been difficult to seeing and hearing about all the things, all of the, 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 the people that are dying on both sides of the political argument. And it's been really hard to stay calm. And I've seen a lot of people, I feel like on social media that maybe aren't staying calm. And I know there's a lot to the, this whole conflict thing. Um, I'm just trying to, to figure out my own feelings about it. And so I've had to ask for calmness a lot. How can you find calmness when the world is falling apart and you're scared and you're anxious and you know that you need to rejoice and you know that you need to be gentle, but you just can't find it within yourself? We need God's peace it helps us be calm it comforts us and it may not be like a sudden sense of calm like oh everything's gone away. but it's just a could be the strength to help you carry on even if you do feel anxious or afraid it could be the realization that even though something bad did happen life kept going maybe you couldn't imagine what life would be like on the other side of the tragedy but you've made it, and now God is helping you to not be anxious or afraid of what's next. And there's never an easy answer for any kind of tragedy. We always have to rely on His peace. And um, as believers, if we you know, know of anyone that's going through something, I feel like it's in our best interest to, to not try to make it better. We can't. There, there are phrases like, well, you know, God has a plan for everything i don't feel like those are helpful in times of of grief um, yes, it's true, yes, I believe he does in that moment. Is it the best thing to say i don't feel like it is most of the time, but it's complicated, right? But as I believe with all god's with all of, with all things, sorry, God never leaves us alone, even if it feels like it at times, his nearness. And His peace helps us to rejoice. It helps us to be gentle. And so we press on. We seek unity by being gentle, by being joyful, by taking refuge in His peace as needed because He is near. And unity may not always work out with everyone. We may try the best that we can and we might find that we have to distance ourselves from some. We can remain friends. We just don't work well together. And that's okay. That's part of unity too. It's, it's kind of like not you know storing your your, your your gasoline right next to an open flame. We just We shouldn't do those things, right? I know. David's like, "Why not? I'll do it all the time. So well, sometimes. I'm an open flame to someone's gasoline and vice versa. And maybe we should just not be together. And that's okay. We can still work toward the same goal at a distance from one another. I want to end with an encouragement to all of us because we need it. Life is hard. I don't know if you've realized this or not. I have. Um, and I'm sure you have too. We all need encouragement and we all need a a challenge at times to help us push through. And I want to close with verses 8 and 9. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Do what you have learned and received, and heard from me, and seen in me. And the God of peace will be with you. Seek truth and honor. Fight for justice for those less fortunate than us. Think on pleasant things. Love one another. Praise God as, lo- as often as you are able. It's kind of my paraphrase, a little bit of verse 8. And keep on doing the things that Jesus has showed us And God is helping us through. It's a process, a marathon. It's one of those 100K ultra races that people do where they like run for 24 hours straight, which is crazy, but people do that. Keep on keeping on. We have to. If we want to be unified, if we want the world to to hear about the love of Christ, we have to work through our issues. We have to work through our differences. And we don't, I don't really know of any differences that we have in here, any big, big issues. Maybe I'm just ignorant of them. But please let me know if, if there are anything. But among other churches and with other churches, and I think being involved in things like uh, the, the Stronger Together services that we do twice a year is helpful. It's super helpful to me to be involved with uh, uh, ministry groups like the MDCC, the multiple, Multi-Denominational Coalition of Clergy, which is a group of black and white pastors that get together once a month to talk about social issues and, and it helps me to understand their side a little bit better, what they experience, what their lives are like. because there are Some things that are totally foreign to me because I have grew up in, a, in white skin and I don't face some of the same issues they do. That helps us to be unified. That helps us to be uh, better as the body of Christ. And our prayer going forward is that we will keep doing that here among the churches in our county and and, and among the churches uh, in our state and, and and may it ripple on out like like a rock thrown into a pond so that our whole world eventually knows about Christ let's pray and uh, then Sarah will come and lead us in our in our closing song. God thank you so much for uh, your great love your great mercy, who is patient with us in times where we are not doing things that bring us together in times where where we are uh, we're arguing and fighting, and 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 we're having very strong disagreements, and we're we're putting people down. and And help us to be better, to do better, to 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 be like Jesus. Thank you for your grace and your patience with us when we're not doing what we should. Give us the grace and the strength to do better. Um, be with those uh, here and and who are not here in 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 present in uh, person with us. That, that need a touch of your grace that need um, your joy that needs your gentleness your peace help them to uh, to find that to to embody it and so it might flow out of them thank you for everything It's in Jesus name we pray amen